Hey, Dad, what do you do when you're out with friends? The waiter comes up and tries to take everybody's order, but the whole table freezes up, and everyone's looking at each other trying to find some help. Mm, that's a great question. So what, what should I do? You should have some confidence, Dad, or as our friends at Jägermeister call it, shotfidence. If everyone's having trouble ordering, here's what you do. You take charge. You grab the bull by the horns. You find that dog in you, and you make an executive decision. And just order for the table a round of ice-cold Jägermeister shots. Damn, that's cold. Because apparently, we've all been drinking Jägermeister wrong. Did not know that. How should we be drinking it? Glad you asked, Dad. We should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit. Well, that brings up other things that I love ice cold as well. And I'll tell you right out of the gate, that's going to be a candy bar pulled out of the freezer. That's my way of eating candy. Oh, I love it. On the golf course out there, you get to the turn in the middle of the round there, and you get to that little clubhouse there, and they've always got the candy bar options, and I always see they've usually got a little box of them in the freezer, and it always makes it better on a hot day out on the golf course, taking a bite of that cold, cold chocolate and getting ready to go for the rest of my round. It's the same way with Jägermeister. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice-cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good morning. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo with Mike Gola Jr. That is me. With me, as always, drinking water, going on hot girl walks, and working on himself, Brandon Newman. Brandon, what's going on? Not much, Mike. As you said, working on myself, but enjoying the fall in the process. Hoodies, football, food. I'm eating things with mommies and daddies again, Mike. Meat is delicious. Took Michelle out to a nice Ruth's Chris dinner last Friday night. It was, uh, I, I, you know, I'm really feeling October. Why have you made the pushback to eating food with mommies and daddies now after for so long being against that? I'm not. I, I'm, I am still against it. It's just, it's almost like I imagine with a vampire when they actually get some real human blood. It's just, it just hits different. It's just... Meat, meat hits the hits the energy levels in a in a different way. So, it definitely does. And I think anything, if you take a long enough break from it, becomes really enticing. Like my brother in law yes. ate only meat for a period of months, 
as an experiment. He did one of the like the carnivore diets. Really, I mean, oh, he's yeah. a super smart guy. He's in med school right now. He's basically experimenting on his own body. But I'm sure Living after like that, he, the first time he had just chicken or a vegetable was probably pretty dope. So even going the other way where all you do is mommy and daddy food probably leads you going back to foods without mommies and daddies feeling pretty good. Yeah, but, you know, the fruit of the earth, farm to table is the way to do it. And if you can get it the closest it is from when it comes fresh out the ground or fresh off the tree, that's perfect. There we go. Sage advice from Brandon Newman. Um, Sage advice would always be to download, subscribe, rate, and review to this podcast, Gojo, wherever you get your podcast. Leave us a five-star rating and a review, and check us out on the DraftKings YouTube channel under the Gojo with Mike Golick Jr. page. Got a fun show today. Top five, bottom five from the NFL weekend that was Stormy Bon and Tony, who you guys see on College Football Sidelines, working for ESPN, working over at the Vegas Stats and Information Network for VEASAN Final Countdown. Going to join us, talk some about the last college football weekend, where we stand with uh, the Big 12, which may be the deepest conference in college football, a ranked Kansas getting to host game day, and plenty of other good little nuggets in there too about the NFL season and how Stormy has been finding value in some bets out there. Um, but Brandon... Before we get to that, we got completely derailed in the pre-show. We'll also get to Monday Night Football from last night. The 49ers get a big-time win in the division over the Los Angeles Rams and makes you wonder what's going to go on. The Rams were the closest to a team in that Packers and Buccaneers bucket, not because they have a quarterback of that age, but because they're defending Super Bowl champions. They're in a certain class of teams that we've come to expect are going to be there, that top crust of the NFC. But they like all oh, those other really? teams. Why are you making sideways faces at me right now? I I don't know. I feel like even last year, a lot of people walked away thinking that the 49ers were the better team between the two of them. Like there's a reason why the 49ers have that regular season win uh, streak against the L.A. Rams. Uh, I get it. I think so much that happens with these two teams and last night was no different comes down to injury and what Mm. version of Matthew Stafford you get, which can be tied to who's on the field with injury. And we saw the reason they brought him over, the reason the 49ers did the Trey Lance thing is because both teams had remarkably average quarterbacks who lacked that extra gear. And while Matthew Stafford has some things that can be hairy about his game, and we saw some of those pop up last night, he had that extra gear that got them over to that point. All I'm saying is in the NFC, they were one of the three teams that we lumped in at the top. And all three of those teams had to deal with injury hurting the start of their season the Rams are a team that we can probably ask the most questions about just because their quarterback is not named Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers but we'll get to that in a second because we are completely derailed in the pre-show meeting talking about the NFL top five bottom five and it led Brandon to making a statement that there are few things you're ever going to find that are better than just straight up water and I don't disagree with you on that but I found two And I put together a top Two? five list of things, and I want to see what you think of them because I get water completely. Water's phenomenal. We've had it in all varieties and ways. It's super versatile. Like, we're not just talking about the top five things you need to survive, we're just talking about right. the top five things that exist in general. Mm, 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 and mm. I think when you talk about water, obviously, life saving powers huge you can go a long time without eating but if you go a short time without drinking water 86 you're out of there true you can swim in it you can drink it you can use it to cool down and you can use it to clean you off 
It has so many. You can put it in balloons and use it to facilitate fun. We have invented an entire industry <laughs> of squirt guns that people use to go out and have that same kind of fun. So I get it, Brandon. Mike, you can use it for poison as well. You can use it to to uh, throttle your enemies. Uh, what what is the type of wasn't it a type of water that that Cersei's used? Oh, um, what was that called? Yes, I don't remember it off the top of my head. I immediately thought of waterboarding, but you're right. Um, there was oh, true. There yes. was definitely some Illegal. like wild Game of Thrones poison water too. Yes, yes, exactly. But yeah, there's just you know, water's just it's undefeated. It's like the internet. Water and the internet undefeated. Well, not uh, in this. Both not of them in this can case. get cut off. So I want to give you my top okay. five things here. Just on the outside, looking in and receiving votes: music, animals, and perfectly executed dap. I think all three of those things Ooh. just missed the top five. Yeah, you see what I'm talking about here. No better feeling than walking in, especially in a public situation, executing perfect dap with maybe even a stranger where you go in not really knowing each other like that and all of a sudden pull it off. Okay, so what are your bottom three again? So these are just on the outside looking in. I would also throw in parallel parking in front of a crowd. Okay, okay. Now you're getting to ego. We don't need it. It's a subside. So ego egos for another day. I would say perfectly executed dap, animals, mainly pets, yes. and then music. Okay. So my bottom five no, uh, this, my bottom that's, three. That's those are my oh, I know. Those, these are your also receiving votes. These are no they, listen, I got I did you said top five, so I got my top five, but yeah, you got I know, water. I haven't started my top five yet. Oh really? Oh those shit. are the ones okay, that were on okay. the chopping block. So oh, yeah. Wow. Okay. Okay. I'll start you off with the top five here. Number five. Okay. Well, well uh, <laughs> what? The only one that mine was receiving votes was being seen. <laughs> That's what I was laughing. <laughs> That's what I was laughing at hysterically to myself pre-show is the concept of of literally <laughs> being acknowledged and seen <laughs> like just out of the top five. <laughs> I mean, human beings do want to feel valued and heard, so that's a right place to you for you to want to go at the beginning of all of this. But it doesn't crack my top five, so get it out of no. here. Number five, no, no, yeah. okay. taking off your socks after a long day. Ladies, mm. this might be taking off a bra after a long day. This is the closest comp that I think I've yeah. found for men. But peeling slightly sweaty socks. I'm not talking workout sweaty. I'm just talking you've been away from the house for a while, maybe flown on a plane, and getting to peel those yeah. off and release your feet back to the wild. Elite feeling. Number four, the sun. Yes, that's right, the sun. <laughs> and I know as I sit here right now covered in sunburns from a round of golf I played yesterday, it might not seem that way. But Brandon, as someone who has lived in the Midwest, as we both have and on the east coast as we both have we know how real seasonal affective disorder is those long winter months where you don't see the sun when that thing pops out it changes everything food tastes better we all look better we get that oh. little glow about us the sun is electric oh. it is an absolute factory number three water Water checks in right here. We talked about the versatility. It's a five-tool player. Super important, vital, all those things. Number two, community. <laughs> I think as human beings, there are very few things that actually sustain us that are outside of those things, and community is one of them. What is this, family or friendship? I think it's vital to the human experience, and I think it's the only thing that really allows us to get by. Okay. And that leaves us with number one sleep whether it's a nap whether it's, a, it's a night sleep when you are deprived 
it is so giving. When you need a little boost, it's there. You can do it in so many different places. You can do it alone. You can do it with other people. You almost always wake up feeling better. And when you don't, you know what the solution is? More sleep. It's an incredible phenomenon to think about just shutting your body off. I don't understand how it works. Sleep, number one. And also, vital. You don't want to end up like caught between worlds in some weird, you know, fog or something well, like that. I Honestly, my top five list just turns yours on its head. Okay, so coming in at number five for me is music, right? You said it was receiving votes for you. I think it's vital. Music's up there at five. Our number fours are exact opposite, and I think it's hilarious. Shade. Shade is one of the most vital things because the sun can kill you. It can literally, sun poisoning is a thing. Shade poisoning is not. Just going to throw it out there. The shade is vital. Okay, so that's my number four on my list of top five things. Number three, laying down. Like, I understand you said taking the socks off, but, like, when you get a chance to get off of them feet and literally, like, have them up, it, it's, it's, it, it's something. It's something. That's why sleep's number one. That's, no, okay. No, 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 no. That's funny that you bring that up because my number two my number two is what everyone, this is a common misconception with sleep. Everyone who says they love sleep, like, oh, sleep, I need it. Uh, like, Michelle's like, eight hours, men uh, have to have it. So, okay, okay, okay. What number two, my number two is what, what everyone really is chasing. Waking up. Waking up is one of the best things out there, Mike. People always try to like for like try to push snooze and things like that. It's it's all about the wake up. Like you don't get a chance to enjoy the sleep until you wake up. And also, if you don't wake up, you're dead. So let's be realistic about what the real like what we should be happy about. Okay, it's right. not the fact that we're knocked out unconscious. It's the fact that we wake up from being un- unconscious. So no, I I had a really horrifying realization, which is that. <laughs> You're right. Waking up is awesome because you are definitely not dead at that point, and that's great. But the thing I realized myself about myself is I don't know if you've ever heard of revenge bedtime syndrome, where you stay up really late after a long day's work because you don't feel like you've had time for yourself, and so you push oh. off going to bed and you do all My the life. things that you think you missed out from the day. And I realized that's basically autoerotic asphyxiation, but for sleep. And so I don't think I like sleep as much as I love depriving myself of it until the point where I can't physically stay awake anymore and then that sweet release finally comes I'm essentially choking <laughs> myself with a belt until I won't fall asleep <laughs> oh my gosh you sick bastard I don't oh, feel good so about funny. this because this it's a hundred percent what funny. it is is I love the sweet release where I can no oh, longer so keep my good. eyes open watching Attack on Titan or <laughs> watching game film to get ready for a game that I Mark. convince myself I'm behind on oh, or any other of the man. number of things that I do before bed. This is horrible. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, spoiler alert for everyone listening to this podcast. I fall asleep listening to this shit, so uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll wake up and keep and keep it moving afterwards. So uh, trust me, I, I feel you. Um, but I I loved arguing to the death about the sleep versus awake, and and now I can with the people. Um, and then number one on my list, water. It's water, Mike. It's water. It's water. It's water. Clean water, preferably. Dirty water is dangerous. Um, but you know, water's undisputed. Water's like Mom Nali. 
You know, she's it really is the goat. I, listen, there's a lot of good. Th- I'm not going to use this time to say bad things about water. I have a lot of respect for water's body of work. It's outsized importance to this planet. Just sheer and volume. It's body of water. Yes, it's it's body of water is undeniable. All right. I don't know if you've heard. It's seventy percent of Earth and seventy percent of our bodies. All right. It's out here grinding. Water's been doing its thing. <laughs> Extremely adaptable. Great locker room guy. Molds itself to the mm, situation. Mm, mm, mm. It can get the other thing about water too. Different forms, right? You get a little bit of rain. Who doesn't love rain, man? Farmers love rain. Great for crops. Rain's great, you know, for like de- mid uh, suburban dads who look outside at their lawn and go, you know what, we needed this. Looking up at the rain, I get it. <laughs> Shouts out to the last time you went super, super viral. Um, but uh, <laughs> water's actually connected to one of my favorite uh, little, you know, biblical analogies. It was actually in a sacrilegious film, Bill Maher's Religious, but it was somebody explaining them the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, and he's like, it's just like water. You got water, and then you got ice cubes, and you got steam. It's all the same stuff. <laughs> and Bill Maher's head, like, exploded. <laughs> I mean, he's got a point there, and I was going to bring up ice, so thank you for taking me where we needed to go. Um <laughs> Let us know what you think of those top fives at Gojo Show on Twitter, uh, where you can get at that and give us your top fives on any of the platforms you normally get at us here. I like where both of our heads are at on this one. We're just sort of rearranging deck chairs in the life Titanic. But, uh, Brandon, let's get to Monday Night Football <laughs> instead. The 49ers oh, won 24-9 against the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, this was a game dominated by the 49ers defense that, spoiler alert, you guys will be hearing about in top five, bottom five. Uh, for the NFL this week. But, Brandon, I I looked at this and we talked about some of the concerns for the Los Angeles Rams. I think they exist really in two places because that defense, still balling, did a great job for the most part on the day. They just gave up a few more big plays than did their counterparts in the 49ers defense. Number one biggest issue for the Rams is health right now. Offensive line, you had multiple guys out uh, to start this day. David Edwards out, Brian Allen out. In this game, and it showed. They gave up seven sacks on the night. It was a nightmare. The other thing that showed up big time, and I saw a stat um, that I want to pull up here. Their reliance on Cooper Cup. Sarah Barshop is the ESPN NFL Nation reporter for the Rams. And said the Rams uh, have leaned on Cooper Cup more than last year. He accounts for 39.6% of the Rams' catches this season. According to ESPN Stats and Info, only one other player this century had a higher share of their team's catches in a season, and that was Brandon Marshall in 2012. They don't have a number two right now. I mean, you saw his name trending during portions of the night last night, but looked around, Allen Robinson doing nothing for the Rams so far this season. Ben Skoranek's been a good story. We talked about it with Nate Tice on this podcast about how they've used him. But if you look at this game, Cooper Cup had 19 targets. Tyler Higbee, their tight end, had 14. And the next closest after that was six. They don't have a number two wide receiver anymore. And what Robert Woods was for so often in that offense, and down the postseason stretch all the way to the Super Bowl, what Odell Beckham Jr. was for that team is sorely missed right now. Yeah, I don't know if it's the Rams' fault as much as it is Matt Stafford's fault, Mike, because I just feel like he, his M.O. is, you know, feeding the the future Hall of Fame wide receiver, you know, is, is what made Calvin Johnson very happy uh, with the Detroit Lions. But now it seems like he can't even find 
the other wide receivers, Mike. Like, he's overthrowing them. He he gets to Cooper Cup, and obviously Cooper Cup is everywhere he's supposed to be. And same thing with Tyler Higby. But it seems like he's out of sync with the rest of the wide receivers in that in that wide receiver room. Well, we talked about it. Two of the ones that he had known, and especially Odell Beckham Jr. Like, the one thing I'll push back is, you go back to that Super Bowl matchup, Odell Beckham Jr. was looking like he could have been the Super Bowl MVP through the half of that game. Because when True. they were over-covering Cooper Cup, who is rightly targeted a lot, he said, all right, we'll just throw the ball to Odell Beckham Jr. and let him cook. They just don't have that. Allen Robinson's not showing up in the areas we expected. I thought he might have been a viable red zone target for them. And it just hasn't worked. Some of that also goes back to the offensive line. Because whether it was Jared Goff or with Matthew Stafford, part of the appeal for the Rams was you were going to be protected. You could afford to do that more last year and get into a lot of that dropback stuff that Stafford liked and was able to do versus Jared Goff. And now in an offseason where Whitworth's doing Thursday night football and you have those injuries that we talked about, now you're really depleted in that area and the way they've wanted to play is a lot less conducive to that, going back to some of the things that Stafford likes to do. So it definitely takes them out of the stuff that was most useful for them last year. Yeah, definitely, and obviously every new year is a new year, but I think I'm I'm struggling with the the opponent versus the resume or the uh the stereotypes that come with Matt Stafford, right? Like I'm expecting him to make poor decisions, which leads to all these pick sixes that he loves throwing tongue in cheek, right? But let's get be real, like that defense for the 49ers was all over the field at all times the entire game. That's why they could never find the end zone this entire game, the Rams. No, 100%. They deserve a ton of credit, but you're right. Matthew Stafford also deserves some of the blame. I get that he's under duress, but he has someone who's historically put the ball in harm's way. Towards the end of last season, in the regular season, he was putting the ball in harm's way and was being a detriment to that team. And you could see by the end, it was coming from everywhere. Uh, I mean, what the 49ers did on defense. And D'Amico Ryans rightly got talked about all broadcast as someone who's going to be a head coach next year. I get that he, you know... Had the good spin. He was glad he didn't get the Vikings job this year because he really wants to be ready and feels like he needed another year. He's going to be somebody's head coach next year. I saw Chris Long throw out the uh, Carolina Panthers, which hubba hubba that defense and that coach together potentially. But it was phenomenal. And he's got great parts there. Fred Warner, maybe the best linebacker in the NFL in the middle. Um you know, what we saw their secondary pull-off tonight, obviously up front, Bosa's Eric Armstead was out after halftime of this game, but you didn't even have Javon Kinlaw in there, so they got dudes to run at all those levels, and they have, what I think as an offensive lineman is the toughest thing to account for is guys that are great penetrators getting upfield, they're all so fast, and they can get you in such bad downs and distances because they count on the guys behind them, like every level's got dudes, and so when those dudes can pin their ears back up front, you saw all the twists and games and stuff. Even for a healthy group, that's going to be tough to pass off, let alone guys you're not used to working together because passing off games, getting that stuff sorted out is so much about everyone being aware at the same time. It's so much about pre-snap recognition and so saying, all right, down and distance wise, based on the look, are we expecting this here? And are we all on the same page? Because if one guy's not, the whole house collapses. And then when you add in the fact that you've got guys on the other side that are so good at getting upfield like that, 
makes it 10 times harder. So all of that, coupled with well-timed blitzes, putting those offensive linemen that were struggling on an island and making them block one-on-one, it was hell. It was absolute hell. So they do deserve a ton of credit for how that went down, especially because on the other side, Kyle Shanahan's play calling on offense, always so cool. That wham block toss play that they scored the first touchdown on was balling. Debo Samuel having 100 yards after the catch last night is typical Debo Samuel shit. The thing that was blowing me away, and they accounted for injury along their offensive line a lot better. Trent Williams was out this game. Colton McKivitz, his backup, ended up getting hurt this game. So they were on their third string left tackle by the end of this game. And they made it work, I think, in part because scheme, and then those players deserve credit for doing it. Brandon, the one thing that always weirds me out about 49ers primetime games like this is the Jimmy G swings. Like, we're not allowed... Mm. Jimmy G's a person we should have a lot fewer opinions about because he's a good quarterback, but he's not a great quarterback. Really? Oh, oh. Mike, I feel like he is... He's he's at not. times he looks like a great quarterback. No, I think he's I think he is I think Jimmy G's a really nice guy, and I think because Jimmy G's a really nice guy, and we've talked about him as the vibe king, and he handled this offseason really well. Which I go back and forth all the time. I think sometimes we put quarterback kids on kid gloves on when we talk about quarterbacks, and then I'm also cognizant that position gets more coverage and focus, especially when it comes to. Who's gonna get start? Who's gonna be starting? Who's drafted to replace you? Who's paid X? It's different coverage than all the other positions. So I understand Jimmy G handling it and not being a problem is something that we don't see as often as we should. And he deserves credit for all that stuff and for being ready when Trey Lance went down and yada yada yada. You watch the game tonight. The plays that were the big plays in this game that really happened. There were a couple of decent throws in there from Jimmy. There were also throws like that Debo Samuel touchdown that could very easily have been intercepted based on where the quarterback threw it. There were plenty of throws that he left on the table. You live in an offense that we've talked about, can make quarterbacks really comfortable really quickly. And so we don't have to say that Jimmy G's greater, that he was done wrong by them trying to replace him. That's not true. That's the NFL. He is good up to a certain point, and they wanted to get past that certain point and felt that they could. So acting like Jimmy G is some sort of world beater, which I don't want to go too straw man on this, but I just feel like so much of the conversation goes, well, Jimmy G's win-loss record is really good, and so we all owe him more respect. No, we can watch the games and see this is a good quarterback. Definitely an above average, like deserves to be a starting quarterback for someone in this league, but he's not a great quarterback and we don't have to, and I don't want to act like, again, too many people I, are saying that, but he's not a great quarterback and we don't have to act like it. He he is a great quarterback, Mike, and I think maybe we need to revisit uh, what great quarterbacks are and, and, and the tier uh, and the multiple tiers of great quarterback, but it, he reminds me of Zach Efron, right? Because... Uh, there's a great quote by Seth Rogen when he was talking about working with Zach Efron for uh, the neighbors, right? Like he's used to work with uh, James Franco, who, you know, takes the character and does what he wants with it and like, you know, puts his little artistic hat on. He said working with Zach Efron was so weird. It was working like, like working with an android. He literally did everything he asked him to do. If he asked you to like play the scene a little bit differently or do this with it, think about this while you're saying this line X, Y, and Z, Zach Efron was like a robot and how he was able to execute all of the notes from the director or from, from the script. 
That doesn't make Zac Efron a worse actor because he doesn't own it. He's He is a capable uh, vessel that's able to exact all these different things. So when you take a, a Jimmy Garoppolo who came from Bill Belichick, and the success with Josh McDaniels or whoever the coordinator was at the time when he was when he was forced out there, and then you th- think about him via Kyle Shanahan, like all quarterbacks aren't good enough to even take notes the way Jimmy Garoppolo is able to take notes. So I want to give him his credit there because with all those things combined, he is a good quarterback. He's better than a good quarterback. He might be a great one. No, I just I won't agree that he's a great quarterback. I think all those things make you a professional, and I think at times we give people way too much credit for just being a professional. Like when you go and judge based on what happens on the field, good to very good quarterback, not a great quarterback. And that's a fine thing to say. He's been incredibly well compensated for all this during the course of his career. Like it's fine. Jimmy G's going to be fine and he's going to be someone else's quarterback, but Jimmy G has not changed since we last saw him. The same quarterback that I'm sure plenty of 49ers fans and that front office wanted to replace is the same guy out here right now. You just didn't want to go through or were uncomfortable with what appeared to be some of the growing pains people were going to have to go through with Trey Lance. That doesn't automatically make Jimmy Garoppolo a better quarterback. It just makes him consistent and dependable. He's the nice guy that you thought about dating in high school, and then now you look back and yeah, he's got a stable job and he's got a 401k, but he doesn't make you laugh like those other guys you're not screaming and crying and kissing Mike. in the rain it's 3 a.m and you're calling his name no none of that stuff's happening he can't you're do that like, to you but you're acting like they moved they wanted to move off of him because they just were tired of him and they were tired of losing in the nfc championship game no they were moving off of him because they had a mystery flavor that they're really excited to taste and figure out what's going on yeah, so like a I mystery flavor the, the they sexiness. reached for because they felt this quarterback had a ceiling that's the why the why is that overthrown okay. ball in the super bowl that is the difference between them winning and losing that is the it boiling it down to its purest form that's the why and that why hasn't changed because you can throw screens really well to Debo Samuel and these and the other weapons in this offense doesn't mean that why has changed and I don't want to turn this into Jimmy G slander because again he's not someone that you need to slander he's good at his job he's dependable that has a ton of value in this league I'm just saying we don't have to overstate that value the way it seems like so many people reach to do in this drunken primetime rush after we get done watching things like this yeah I mean honestly I just think he needs to make better decisions and his decision making does uh, hinder him from being a great quarterback or or more solidified as a great quarterback yeah Jimmy Jimmy's gonna be who he is at this point and that's more than good enough to draw very substantial paychecks in this league and be a starter for somebody's team and that's cool the, the 49ers story is just about how complete this whole team is and the fact that they were over to, able to overcome those injuries in the offensive line in a way the team across from them wasn't. And the fact that their defense that is now healthier looks like it is ready to crack skulls all season long and it's going to be awesome to watch. So George Kittle's back. I think he made a huge impact on the running game. Uh, talking about those yards after catch for Debo, Debo Samuel. Uh, obviously, we, he wanted to get his that extra foot down in the end zone, but I thought he had a huge impact on the game, Mike. But I, I like seeing these type of games because you, you talked about the, the complete team and how they complement each, each other. The 49ers defense are just short tacklers as if they had to practice against Debo, Debo Samuel 
uh, all preseason. You know what I mean? Like they just they're just wrapping up and making isolated tackles way better than than the uh, the Rams are. So I think obviously other than Aaron Donald, who can't be all places at once. No, but the rest of that Rams team, like I mean, hell, Bobby Wagner tackled the guy that was on the freaking field during the game. That was, by the way, the highlight of the game was. I don't know if it was a protester. A lot of people were making the gender reveal joke, but a fan ran down onto the field carrying some like smoking pink, uh, like I don't know what you would call it necessarily, like a flare. And Bobby yeah. Wagner had simply had enough. And this guy was juking the hell out of some security <laughs> guard on the field who had a three cone worse than DK Metcalf. That guy was trying to Ooh. turn like he was turning a barge. And Bobby Wagner, yeah. and I think Tack McKinley, who almost got in a fight with one yep. of his teammates on the sideline. Just came over and laid Buddy out. Upon further review, I think the fans still got off kind of easy. Bobby kind of got him when he was coming perpendicular. You know that angle that's the sweet spot where if you're coming from like a 45 from the front and you get a little yeah. of your force going in opposite directions instead of just hitting perpendicular where you can really fuck somebody up. That was what I wanted because again, if you're a fan who's running onto the field, I am rooting for your pain. You are going onto their workplace in a way that is threatening. You don't know what that person could be carrying. You don't know what that person's intentions could be. And they're trying to do football out there. So if you do that, just know I'm rooting for your pain. I want to see you get folded up like a cheap lawn chair. I like the fact that after uh, Bobby Wagner and Tech made contact, there was no like celebration that you would usually see on the defense after you make a tackle. There's the, They just kind of talk about be, being professionals. They just simply walked. Uh, buckled the chin strapped and walked back to the sidelines. Yep. Straightened up their ties, looked in the mirror, and said, I'm going to get on with my day because this wasn't worth my time. So shout out to Bobby Wags for putting that down. Um, Brandon, we already did top five, bottom five, or top five things. Growing up playing sports, I learned really quickly that how you do the little things is how you're going to do everything. That's why coaches always harped on us about having our hand behind the line on sprints or picking up our locker because that was going to directly translate to critical moments on the field, making sure we're lined up right, taking the right steps so we can go out there and execute and win ball games. Small actions can have big benefits, just like how taking care of your gut can support your entire body's health. That's where our friends at Seed come into play. Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic is going to benefit your gut, skin, and heart health in just two little capsules a day. I just got my welcome kit and started taking Seed's DSO-1 myself and I'm loving it. I love the convenience of being able to have it in the cabinet with my other supplements because you don't need to worry about refrigerating it and I love the free travel vial that comes along with it. I'm constantly on the road and so being able to take DSO-1 with me on the go is huge for my lifestyle here. I'll tell you what else I love is the fact that it's backed by science. DSO-1 was developed in collaboration with Seed Scientific Board and based on their foundational work in probiotics and the microbiome and with new clinical trials and breakthrough research published in top scientific journals, Seed's probiotic research, development, and innovation programs make DSO-1 a product you can trust. And it's great in convenience, too. Probiotics and prebiotics work best when they're used consistently, just like any other routine health habit. And Seed subscription service is going to easily help build DSO-1 into your routine, again, with no refrigeration required. So, trust your gut with Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com slash gojo and use code 25gojo to get 25% off your first month. That's 25% off your first month of Seed's DSO-1 DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com slash gojo, code 25gojo. 
It's time for top five, bottom five from the NFL weekend that was here before we get to our interview with Stormy and tap in on some college football. Uh, this is the top five, bottom five, anything. If you're new around this show here, doesn't necessarily have to be a play, doesn't have to be your power ranking of teams. That comes later in the week. And we have decided in the last couple of weeks to continue to go alternating. So this weekend, this week, I have the top five. Brandon has the bottom five. We go five to one, alternating each way. So... Brandon, I'll start things off. Um, top five from this past weekend in the NFL. I want to start off with the New York Giants running back, Saquon Barkley. Dude is mm. fully back. Uh, they got a 20-12 yes. to 12 win over the Bears this past weekend. Saquon had 31 carries for 146 yards. I believe he's been fantasy RB1 going into this weekend, and I doubt with that performance it changed. They got so banged up at quarterback. Daniel Jones went down with an ankle. Tyrod Taylor went down with an injury during that game. That they had Saquon and those backs out there running wildcat for a bit. He's looked awesome this year, even as the line play has still been kind of inconsistent at times in front of him. No, when he went on his buddy's podcast and said that everyone's kind of written him off and things like that, I was uh, I had some pause and I was like, ooh, you don't usually hear Saquon Barkley speak unless it's in a commercial. So if he's speaking about his actual coming back, <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, maybe we got to pay attention. And uh, I'm, I'm glad he's kept his word. Wait, by the way, great to speak only when you're paid to do so there. That's life advice we could all do well to follow. Man. Okay, uh, my bottom five, Mike, is uh, another running back, Javante Williams, Denver Broncos, second year, out for the season uh, towards MCL and LCL, uh, suffered an injury on the Broncos' first play of the second half after they, uh, you know, they lost, unfortunately. Uh, we have to see them play again. The Broncos host the Colts on Thursday night football, and it's starting to get hairy. I know we talked about Thursday night games being a little bit loose and uh but there's a lot of obviously a lot of injuries uh, on the Broncos side of things and the Colts just aren't really that fun to watch play. So get ready for that on Thursday night, but the Broncos are not going to have their starting, you know, leading rusher Javante Williams, but also not not have Randy Gregory with them. Also, he's supposed to be out for the next uh, two to six weeks with a right knee injuries, getting scoped and, and whatnot. But just injuries aren't, aren't really uh, what this Broncos offense needs or this Broncos team needs at all. They have enough things to worry about. Yeah, it's 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 a shame, man. And Javante Williams was part of that great backfield at North Carolina with Michael Carter over at the Jets. Fun to see both those guys doing their thing in the NFL. So this is a definite, uh, definite bummer. We're at the time of year where injuries starting to really take hold and be the storyline, like we talked about with Monday Night Football. Uh, number four for me, Brandon, the Kansas City Chiefs offense in the top five here. Uh, Shield Kapadia, who does a great job podcasting over at the Ringer. Posted this the other day. Through four weeks, this is where the Chief offense ranks this season. They are number one in expected points added per drive. Number one in points per drive. They are number two in offensive points per game and third in offensive success rate. Patrick Mahomes is first among quarterbacks in EPA per pass play. They're fantastic. So for all of us that wanted to talk about what the effect Tyreek Hill has had on this offense, the one thing it hasn't done is made it less potent overall. It looks different, but it is still deadly. And Mahomes, Andy Reid, Eric Bieniemy all deserve a lot of credit for the way that this has gone. 
Yeah, I mean, they lost against the Colts, and you know, people wanted to write them off. Obviously, they were getting points in this game against the Bucks, and that was uh, very weird. Actually, this is a perfect way to lead me to my spooky stat, Mike. I told you that uh, in in October, the NFL is going to be very spooky. Some wild lines and things are going to be going on. Okay, so they mentioned this in their, during the broadcast of Monday Night Football. Mike, 15 games during week four, which started in October, Mike, was a one-score game going into the fourth quarter. That's every NFL game except for the Chiefs-Bucks game on Sunday night went into the fourth quarter, including last night's game with the Rams and the, and the uh, 49ers. One-score game going into the fourth quarter. Ooh, spooky Brandon. First time ever, Mike, in NFL history. Oh, man, Brandon Newman loving the thing that he once claimed to hate. You love to see it. What's number four <laughs> on the bottom five, Brandon? Um, I think you got to go with uh, Matthew Stafford. He, he threw 32 for 48, but with 54 yards, but sacked. Seven times, second most sacked quarterback behind Carson. Hold that rock, Wentz. Uh, I just, I just, it was bad. He turned the ball over way too much. Pick six, uh, different, another interception. Lost the fumble to end that game. Uh, Matthew Stafford, you could see that look on Sean McVay's face, Sean McVay's face when he had Jared Goff, and he was like, like this guy, like I can't, I can't overcoach this guy. But then he, and then you can see it with this one, Matthew Stafford is the that twinge that face but then he's got like a damn I just want a Super Bowl with this guy though so I think they're going to be fighting that all season long yeah uh Stafford was pressured on 30 percent of dropbacks last night it's been brutal I think I saw two on that uh the ESPN broadcast of the game he's got no fourth quarter touchdowns and three th fourth quarter interceptions right now to start this season which is part of the place that it's been a total script for, flip from last year the pressure, like everything else, I think has a lot to do with that. But Stafford's got too much of that in his history to say it's not his fault at all, which certainly is the case. So, Okay, stat guy, stat guy, stat guy. I said he threw multiple picks. He did not. Just the one. But it went back for six. So, and You know what? It feels like more when that. It's like the SEC yeah. pick six is just mean more. Uh, number three, quick one for me here. Uh, shout out to D'Amico Ryans and this 49ers defense. You mentioned it. Seven sacks, nine tackles for loss, 11 QB hits, and a pick six. It was a complete ass whooping on that side of the ball. And D'Amico deserves a lot of credit because in the first half, all the blitzing they did, creative blitzes from the second level, personnel, obviously, this is always going to be a Jimmy's and Joe's game. And with this team, it's about the talent up there. But that's a really talented defensive coordinator who made a lot with a lot less last year as they were banged up and is going to start to, I think, get a ton of the credit he deserves this season. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited. Obviously, um, Kyle, Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan can't keep a defensive coordinator, but it's a good and bad problem. But he obviously needs him to get to where he wants to go, which is the Super Bowl. Um, okay, I'll move on. I'll keep going. I'll talk about my, my, my next on the list. Really not that big of a deal. It's Baker Mayfield with the Carolina Panthers. Uh, the Charlotte Observer says, Baker Mayfield's slump continues. Uh, I guess they're continuing the carryover from when he was with the Cleveland Browns, but he threw 22 for 36, 197 yards, a touchdown with two interceptions, and... And one lost fumble, Mike. I was rooting for him in the way I was rooting for Cam Newton uh, for New England Patriots last year. But 
once the ball gets out there on the field and you can't really do much because the quarterback can't do much, what are you going to do? Yeah, this experiment is failing pretty quickly here. I think Matt Rule, my, the one thing I thought about for this season is he probably has a chance to be fired in the middle of this year. And I wouldn't be surprised if it's a last-ditch effort before that, the minute Sam Darnold's healthy, if we don't see him out there to try and at least get something going. Because it just hasn't worked. And Baker Mayfield is probably looking at the end of his time as a starter in this league uh, going on. I know... Stephen A. Smith had some pretty strong words for him on first take yesterday, which usually isn't good if you're the Carolina Panthers and you've made it to first take uh, because they don't (laughs) usually do that for the good things that are going on down there. Um, Brandon, number two for me on the top five, uh, Dan Quinn and the Cowboys defense. This, I saw, blew my mind. 65 pressures through four games is the third highest since they began tracking pressures. Again, a lot more of the credit goes to the players, especially Micah Parsons, who's been a freak show and looks like the defensive player of the year right now. But as this team has gone, I know everyone wants to give the credit to Cooper, Ru- Cooper Rush uh, for what they've been able to do since Dak Prescott's gone down. It's 100% on what the Cowboys have done on defense, at least in the pecking order. Cowboys offense has been good. We've said... I want them to do the things that they're doing for Cooper Rush, for Dak Prescott when he comes back. But in the meantime, that defense has sustained them. In your top five list of things, they would be water. Impossible to live without it. Covering so many of the things around the world here and can actually be deadly when weaponized in the right way. What's the what's the, uh, what's the guy who's, who makes all the interceptions? Oh, uh, Trayvon Diggs. Trayvon Diggs. Trayvon Diggs. I don't like the home runner hitter mentality for but him. But he's a, and, and, they, and people keep picking on him. No, if you li- if you and if you listen to people that cover defensive backs in that position really well, a lot of improvement this year from him. He's been a more consistent player. It's less boom or bust. So this appears to be a guy that's just supremely talented. Great closing speed, like we saw this past weekend yeah. against some of those receivers for Washington. He seems to be a guy that understood. Hey, last year I'm not going to be able to get away with that as often as we go forward here people get tape on you people figure it out here and it seems like by all accounts this is a guy that's made a big leap forward so far this season as far as becoming a more complete defensive back good for him good for the cowboys um number two for me another former alabama alumni Tua Tungvaluwa, ruled out for week five against the jets after suffering a concussion september 29th Against the Cincinnati Bengals, we all saw that. That's just it. Bottom, it's in my top. It's in my bottom five uh, for a reason. Obviously, we expect him to be out. It's a good thing that he's out, but this is the result of uh, that play. Yep, and it sucks. And this is a reminder that, like, yeah, this is in the bottom five because we're bummed about this and we hated what happened for Tua. Obviously, there's been a lot of conversation about it since then, but it doesn't change the fact that this young guy's life is. Being affected professionally, obviously for him physically, we hope that things can trend in the right direction and he can get back to doing whatever he wants to do going forward. And if that continues to be football, then we hope that's the case for him. But it sucks. These are the kind of things that derail you in a ton of ways in a very important year for Tua and just, you know, life in general. So, understandable one there. Uh, I will go number one and go uh, the other Alabama quarterback in the Philadelphia Eagles. I just feel like they they need to get loved up as much as possible. They've been a super complete football team. They got down early in this game against Buffalo this past weekend and managed to climb – or not Buffalo, sorry, against Jacksonville this weekend. I was thinking of – 
Strike that. Reverse it. Mm -hmm. Against Buffalo, or against, God, I almost did it again. Against Jacksonville this past weekend. (laughs) Rainy, sloppy game. You had Doug Peterson back in the house. All the Super Bowl feel-goods that come with that. A lot of that was really weird. And in the same wet, sloppy track that Trevor Lawrence and the Jags really struggled on, coughing up the ball five times, Jalen Hurts and that Eagles team went, dominated the lines of scrimmage. He made play. It was the usual formula we've seen for this team that appears very mature as they've been able to win in a variety of ways so far this season. The craziest stat I saw was that the Eagles haven't trailed in the second half. Like, uh, we talked about how close all these games have been for that to be the case. And the fact that we, we first saw them against the Lions where they, you know, the Lions were coming back in that game. I don't know. It's just, you know, good for the – I'm glad the NFC has a juggernaut. Yeah, it, it really does. Like, as we talked about all those teams that we thought were near the top to start the season, the Eagles are the best of the bunch. There's no denying it. The roster that they've put together and the improvement their quarterbacks made, and along with Nick Sirianni. I, I mean, Nick Sirianni took a lot of heat yeah. at the start of last season when he took over that job. He figured out halfway through, hey, we can run the piss out of this ball, and our strengths are up front when we're healthy, and it's been a really winning formula. Added the right pieces. That, again, what Howie Roseman and that Eagles front office have done, all of that, they've bought the right groceries and now they're going out and cooking a hell of a meal yeah well i gotta go to top uh, number one of the bottom five of nfl uh week four the lions defense mm. mike you mentioned it le- uh, yesterday during the podcast giving up 139 points so far this season okay Okay, let me let me finish. I just, just focus on that real quick. But on Sunday, the Lions obviously um, Seattle's punter Michael Dixon he traveled to Detroit with the team. He did not have to punt. He did not have to punt. Geno Smith and the Seattle Seahawks did not punt against the Lions. Uh, we know that the Detroit Lions have scored over uh, was it 140 uh, points. Those 281 points are the most combined by any team through the first four weeks of any season scored on or been scored. And the Lions become the 30th team in the Super Bowl era to score 140 plus points in the first four games. But they're the first of that bunch to pose a losing record with that many points scored. It's insane, man. It's It sucks. Jared Goff actually pr- played pretty well this past weekend. Him and TJ Hawkinson were basically the only ones out there. He's got a really good line playing in front of him, which helps. But, yeah, defensively, it's tough, man. I, I thought they had built a bully in the image of their coach. Aiden Hutchinson in that three-sack game early on were kind of a misnomer for what we've seen here. And I don't know what happens here because they've got to get it righted. And it's made me sad because – we love Dan Campbell. We love the Lions on this podcast, and it hurts me to see him struggling this way. I want the same things for them that the Jags are having going on right now in the South, and it's not happening yet. Mm. So we will keep trying to root for that. That is the top five, bottom five from the NFL weekend that was. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk to Stormy Bonantoni of Vegas Stats and Information Net about how to weaponize the Lions giving defense against uh, sports books everywhere and try and make some money with the DraftKings Sportsbook in the coming weeks, who to look for at the top of college football, and some of the other best bets around the NFL next. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. 
Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, very excited to have Stormy back on the show with us here. You guys, make sure you check out VEASAN Final Countdown. Check her out on college football sidelines every weekend. You just got uh, back from a very exciting two-lane upset of Houston down in Houston. Well, very exciting if you're not a fan of the Cougars this season, which seems like they got a lot more to be upset about at this point. Yeah, valid point, valid point. It's st- I feel for them, you know what I mean? Because they're coming off such a successful campaign, 12 wins a year ago. They have the preseason hype of, you know, being the preseason favorite to win the American Conference, and then they come out two and three, and some of these losses have been ugly. You lose to Tulane in overtime, which who thought that this Tulane team would be four and one right now with an upset of Kansas State, by the way, on their resume, and we've seen how good the Wildcats have looked this year. Um, but yeah, the game was fun. Honestly, I have had so many blowouts this season um, as a sideline reporter that, that we're just picking at any random story in the air we can get it in the fourth quarter and so to actually have a competitive game that came down to the wire was super fun especially since Tulane was down to their third string quarterback on the second drive of the game so we had some storylines yeah usually when that happens you start hoping and praying that something gets pulled off and and like you said thankfully the rest of that Tulane team uh built to hunt that defense is something to watch here Well, Mike, can you tell me, like, when you're doing your meetings with college football coaches and stuff, we always ask about the backup quarterback, but we very rarely ask about the third and fourth string quarterbacks, and we had to know that stuff on the fly. I was like, oh, I don't have anything. Like, if this kid goes down, I don't have anything on whoever's coming in next. No, the only third string quarterback so far this year in a game I've done that I've been even consciously aware of was doing Oklahoma because his name is General Booty. And because I remember him coming over when he was a recruit, and with a name like that, it's going to stick out and it's going to pop out. So General Booty I was aware of. The rest of it, no. I am flat. If if you're in a game that I'm calling and your third-string quarterback goes in, I promise I have spent the last commercial break frantically Googling whatever (laughs) I can find about this kid. Yes, exactly. Also, if you ever get to interview uh, General Booty, I would be very disappointed if you didn't bring up, hey, what's the capital of Djibouti? Djibouti. you'd You'd have to work that into conversation somehow. It's important journalism. Saying. It's important journalism, Stormy. Ask, I promise. Ask if the I ever, hard questions. If I ever have that opportunity, I promise you here now, I will make sure I ask that question. We'll get that Attica. one done. Proud so, of you. This is this is the work that we're doing on this show here. But uh, Stormy, as far as the work that got done in college football for the rest of this weekend here, I was on another one of those games that you could write off pretty early. Oregon took care of Stanford. Oregon's going to be a live dog, I think, in the coming weeks here. Someone interesting to keep track of in the Pac-12. But looking around the rest of the sport, one of the bigger games, NC State and Clemson this weekend, pretty decided win for Clemson. Where are you at as far as them on the top end in college football this year? We've ridden such a wave with DJ Uyangle and what we thought of this program. Has water kind of found its level now? 
Um, so I was really looking to the Wake Forest game and the game against NC State to truly get a good evaluation of where this Clemson team is at because I was somebody that really liked the Wolfpack in the preseason. I thought that both of these teams could be in a situation where they were undefeated coming into this game. NC State obviously had the edge last year in Raleigh. Would they be able to do it on the road in obviously a really tough environment uh, at Clemson? And obviously they weren't able to do that. And I think even for all the question marks that we've had about DJ and we've had about the way that the trajectory of the season could go after what was a down year for the Tigers, which is so weird to say considering it yeah. double digit wins. But, <laughs> um, but I think that we do get a better read that they are still the class of the ACC. They're still going to be very good. My only question mark or concern is like big, big picture, right? Where do they rank with the likes of an Ohio State and an Alabama? And, and I know that, I mean, what we saw with Georgia over the weekend shows that there are some question marks even at the top. But everybody has an off game or two, right? Even the best teams in the country. So... I'm not sure. Like, I, I feel a lot better about Clemson after these last two games based on what they've been able to do offensively than I did early on in the year. I can tell you that. Yeah, and I, I think you're right about the standard that you mentioned there. And I said this at the beginning of the season. It's Clemson's problem is they are judged based on being the team that's been eye-to-eye mm -hmm. with Alabama through the playoff era so far. And they're not that. DJ's not Trevor Lawrence and Deshaun Watson and what we've right. seen recently for Clemson at quarterback. But he's... Right now, becoming a lot more solid. Him and those receivers are linking up on a lot more big plays. Obviously, Will Shipley helps out in that regard, too. But I I don't think they're going to crack that upper crust. Because with the exception of Georgia, who at least Stetson Bennett's got a national championship to his resume and has been very good, the other two teams we're talking about, legitimate day one NFL quarterbacks for Alabama and for Ohio State. And I think with Clemson falling off there, because structurally on offense, they're never going to wow you with a ton of stuff they do schematically or make it look really interesting in there. I, I struggle to see that for them, but right now they look like they could be that fourth playoff team based on the way they're playing, especially because I think USC's road through the rest of the Pac-12 is going to be a lot harder than Clemson's through the ACC this year. Yeah, I agree with you a lot. And USC is such an interesting team too because we finally saw some of their warts, right, against Oregon State and that maybe some of the success that they were having wasn't the most sustainable, which was a lot of the thought process coming into the year, I feel like, for USC. And then came the Caleb Williams show really arrived, and the defense had just this incredible turnover margin, and they're forcing four turnovers a game, and you're like, what the hell is happening here? Uh, but I agree. I think that the path is very different. I was curious your opinion on how you view Alabama right now after what you saw with Bryce Young going down and them still being able to have such a dominant win against Arkansas. Like from a betting perspective, I loved the hogs this week because in my mind I was thinking, Hey, these guys were down in Tuscaloosa a year ago. Bryce Young had a career day in that game and they still kept it within a touchdown. They're getting 17, 18 points at home. Um, KJ Jefferson should be able to move the football. All these things I genuinely thought were going to work in Arkansas's favor. Bryce Young goes down. I think Arkansas is going to go out and maybe even win this game. And then the tide just really comes through and you saw how good they are in every single facet of the game to be able to win on the road the way they did. I thought was really impressive. 
Yeah, especially early on in that game, some of the passing attack that going back to the Texas game, we had all looked and go, all right, do they have the athletes in the wide receiver mm-hmm. room that we've been used to there? Jameer Gibbs has helped ease a lot of those concerns, and he was big again in this game. And them just getting out that early. I think part of it was also Stormy and coming into this season – I had liked a lot of what Arkansas did on defense last year. We've talked a lot about their Mm -hmm. deficiencies on the back end of the season. Some of that showed up in the loss to Texas A&M too. But just uh, up front, it seems like they've given it away a little more on that side of the ball than I anticipated going into this season. And it was supposed to be veteran quarterback, create chaos on the defensive front there, and maybe that be the formula. So I I think Mm -hmm. Alabama... We probably had a little bit too much. I know it wasn't a primetime game. A little bit too much primetime brain when it came mm-hmm. to the Alabama-Texas game. I don't think they were as far off in some of those other places as we wanted to make yeah. it. So I, I'm with you on that number for Arkansas in that game. I was all in on that one. But Alabama's probably higher up on the food chain than we thought after yeah. that Texas game. Well, and now we look at them getting set to play Texas A&M. And this was the game in the offseason that we all had circled on our calendar, the Nick Saban-Jimbo drama. And now it's like, uh, this A&M team ain't what we we thought it was going to (laughs) be. Stormy, I thought of you because I know you're a TikTok phenom. I see you on there all the time, (laughs) raining hell on that app. You're You're an awesome TikTok follow. And I saw the trend was going around of dubbing over the sound of Thanos from the Avengers Endgame movie where he says, in all my years of conquest, it was never personal. And then with this puny planet, I'm very much going to enjoy this because that's what I feel heading into this Texas A&M week for Alabama is for Nick Saban and his former assistants, it's almost never personal because he's been so high up above these guys. And now for this game, the dismantling that he is going to attempt to do on that field oh. and have a pretty good shot to do because Texas A&M offensively just has nothing in the tank it's going to be, I think, every bit of what we all thought from the Alabama standpoint because Texas A&M's not built for this. It's not, and it's and yeah, he's he's absolutely going to take it out on this A&M squad, and I feel, I feel for the kids. Um, yeah. But like, what's crazy about that to me is now it's getting to the point where you realize the coaching discrepancy between a guy like Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher. And even though he comes from the tree, it's just so different because Jimbo got the guys, right? He got the recruits. These are his kids. And you've got the top 10 class after top 10 class and they're not delivering on the football field. Why is that? And so I I don't know. It's, I went from being so excited for this game and it being fiery and competitive to just getting ready for the scorched earth Nick Saban show. And I'm still going to be very excited about it, but for a very different way now. Yeah, it's so I drove, I was driving on the highway earlier today and saw a fire on the side. I couldn't see where it was coming from, but I just saw the smoke and I almost pulled away to go see that's going to be this game is you might check as you go by the channel because you're likely going to see the smoldering wreckage on this with Jimbo too. It's so interesting. I think it also comes down to the quarterback thing for all they've done. And the offensive line's not been spectacular weapons-wise outside of Devon A-Chain. There's not really a lot there for this team right now. But quarterback-wise, whether it's Max Johnson or Haynes King, whoever they were throwing out there over the course of this, there just hasn't really been a lot there. And you even go back to last year, the Alabama win happened in large part because you got a monster Calzada game and that defense was awesome. And Jimbo Fisher, who gets all this quarterback whisper uh, credibility, like 
Maybe as we look back at Florida State, a lot more of that credit should be going to Jameis Winston than it originally did. You are speaking my language because that was a conversation we actually had on my show earlier today. We were like, maybe it was just Jameis. And granted, we know what we've seen in the NFL has been a little bit different. So I think recency bias of, of what you see from him, you have a different viewpoint than what he was in college, which was just a tremendous freak of an athlete. And so that is very much so the way that I look back on things now and like hindsight 2020, when you look at a coach um, and you don't know these things, but yeah, very much so Jameis is just a freak. A freak. I mean, and the rest of that offense, we know that was the offensive version of those Nick Saban teams where every player was drafted in like the mm-hmm. top three rounds or something like that. And that's what we thought we were going to have with Texas saying it was, I, for me, it's going to be very interesting as this Texas A&M season goes along, what ripple effects this have into the recruiting conversation around them because everyone had all those rumors and the Nick Saban rumors about the NIL money that supposedly got poured into this class and what this all means. However it is, if you're a Texas A&M booster or donor and you're looking at the contract paid out to Jimbo Fisher and to the resources that have gone into this recruiting class, however you want to couch that – what it looks like going forward because you put a lot of effort to get very little in the results so far this season. Well, and like I mentioned with maybe the disparity in coaching too, if you're a kid and you want to go get paid, like in this new version of college football with NIL and you're going to get a million dollars if you go to Texas A&M, wouldn't you rather take 750k and go to Alabama or go to Ole Miss or go to LSU? Like, and, I mean, and just have a better actual opportunity of growing and becoming an NFL caliber player. Because in the grand scheme of things, you're getting paid no matter what, right? Like, is that that significant of a difference if it gets you to the place that you want to go long term? And I think that's a great point. It's one that came up a lot as I think we reduced way too much of the recruiting conversation to NIL conversation this offseason. You still have to look at what's going to get you ready for Sunday. And for so many of these four and five star guys, your thought process is I'm on loan for three years and trying to make sure I maximize this. It's why the Jordan Addison conversation to me was also a non-starter. It's like everything good about who was developing you on offense left that program last year, coaching-wise and quarterback-wise. Why wouldn't you follow a competent developer of offensive talent out to a place that also just happens to be sunny and lie in your pocket? So I'm totally with you on that. That stuff makes a ton of sense. Um, Stormy, I want to talk about the brief twelve, uh, the Big 12 just for a brief second. The brief second. 12. <laughs> the brief 12. And honestly, it's anything but this year. The Big 12 might be the deepest conference in college football yeah. this season as we currently sit. And that's not just someone who's been constantly standing for Kansas to get the good things <laughs> that have now come their way this season. But like, Mike, it, Mike, last week on my show when they were ranked, I was I was 100% with you. I started, I opened VEASAN Final Countdown by going, the AP poll, all of the voters are cowards. <laughs> yes. See, so you know what? This is this week is just as much for all of us supporting Kansas as it is for the Lawrence community. I'm so excited they're going to get college game day, but Stormy, thank you for beating the drum with the rest of us to make sure this team got what they deserve because it also may not last a ton longer. TCU yeah. looks like a bit of an offensive buzzsaw, and Kansas's schedule is going to get a lot harder coming up down the stretch of the season, but we should still enjoy this. It should still yes. be very fun, even if they're going to start to get into the meat of what, again, is... is they're a testament to the depth of this conference and the quality of coaching in this conference. Like, if I asked you, 
to call who the best team in the Big 12 is right now? Is it as easy as saying, well, Oklahoma State continues to win all their games and they just beat Baylor, so let's put them at the top of the heap? I mean, and that's how the rankings see it too, right? Um, That Oklahoma State's the best team, and I think that's accurate Like as of now just because – I mean, TCU, obviously they have the the massive 55-24 win over Oklahoma this weekend, but – other than that, yeah, they, they stomped Colorado, they beat Tarleton, you know, SMU. It's a, it's a little bit of a different slate than they've played to this point. Um, Kansas, for as on the bandwagon as I freaking am, and it is so incredible to see the start to the season that they've had. Um, they were also, I was looking at some of the like ESPN FPI numbers last week, and they had like a 0.1% of being four and zero going into this coming week or this last week, and I was so that just goes to show that maybe the the building blocks that they have, the core of what they have, isn't exactly going to be the highest tier. And it's been great to watch this team, and the quarterback play has been phenomenal and so much fun. But still, to an extent, you kind of are what you are a little bit, right? And it's awesome to see the Jayhawks be in the national rankings for the first time since 2009 and break the drought of the, like, what was it? The longest drought by a current P5 team or something like that. Like, so I'm, I'm so stoked for them. TCU is going to be a real challenge, but yeah, in my mind, I think Oklahoma state is, is built a certain way. Um, they should continue to have success and, I'm, I'm eager to watch how these next few games play out because TCU's schedule, I want to say after Kansas, they have Oklahoma State and then they have Kansas State. So if they were to go through those games and continue to play at the caliber that they have the first four weeks of the season, then like look out Horned Frogs and we're in a whole new elevation of football in the Big 12 too. I love the depth of this conference. This is my first year that I've actually got to cover some of their games. I've always been a Pac-12 after dark girl. And so this is my first year that I'm kind of getting spread out across the country a little bit. And it's been fun football to watch. It really is. I got a chance to cover Oklahoma State a couple of weeks ago. And that's a team that just in college football, when you look for things you can kind of trust, veteran quarterback and really veteran defensive front, usually a decent place to start in these conversations. And they've got it going out of style. I am most curious because you were absolutely right on that. TCU goes Kansas, Oklahoma State, and Kansas State. I want to see where Kansas State is by that point. Obviously, that setback versus Tulane is notable, but they've kind of with them and Oregon are very similar teams to me right and that you had good foundations along the lines of scrimmage and then you took a veteran quarterback out of bad context and put them Mm -hmm. in a more comfortable environment and we've seen the best of Bo Nix in Oregon so far and we've seen some of the best of Adrian Martinez especially in the last couple weeks for Kansas State and how long that can take these programs because there's still a margin for error with Spencer Sanders if they ever get Mm -hmm. to a point with that team where they're behind game script wise and he's got to air it out a bunch so Kansas State was a team that going into the season I kind of jumped on board with thinking that they could maybe be a contender in the conference right so I did a little bit of a sprinkle a little bit of a flyer on 14 to 1 for them to win the league um not sure I really believed it though not sure I was really sold I just kind of I was like hey that's like looks like a good number maybe we'll see what happens with Adrian Martinez going over from Nebraska and (laughs) They have been so impressive, and I hate that they stumped their toe with Tulane 
Um, and it was in my mind, just totally a look ahead kind of a situation where they got ahead of themselves. And that's natural in college football, a lot more so than in the NFL and in professional sports, because these kids, they ride these highs and lows a lot harder. I feel like, um, especially at, you know, when you're not an sec team, that's coached by Nick Saban, right? You don't have the rat poison conversations quite as much to where it's that intense. And so Kansas state, I love and I am rooting for them so hard right now to continue to make a push, push, not just for my pockets, Mike, not just for my pockets. I think Deuce Vaughn is one of the funnest and most explosive players on, on the ground in college football. He's five foot freaking six and he is a monster. And it's, I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm a big fan of what they're doing. I think that a lot of um, Adrian Martinez potential success as the season goes on is that they were able to ease him in a little bit, not make him do too much. Obviously the turnovers were such a massive issue for him at Nebraska, which by the way, clearly he was not the issue for the corn Huskers. <laughs> okay. I'm just saying, <laughs> but but I think they did enough to where he's getting eased into the system. It's like Cheryl Crow, a change would do you good. He's in a new environment. He's feeling good. I like Casey <laughs> moving forward. Adrian Martinez and Cheryl Crow, the power duo <laughs> that will sustain us through the end of this college football season. Things you didn't think you would hear. But maybe you did think that if you're listening to this podcast. You guys always are like on point for the one-liners. <laughs> I was going to say, you're you're right at home here, Stormy. There's there's no doubt about that. And, and shout out to Deuce Vaughn, man. Seeing that guy yeah. in person you know what wild stuff you got to pull off to be that small and have the respect of everyone involved and to accomplish what he did that's freak show stuff right there so mm -hmm. deuce vaughn cheryl crow adrian martinez all of you i hope if kansas state keeps this going we can find a way to have that be a bump back song coming somewhere from break on whatever network that they're on here then we'll fulfill the yeah. entire prophecy um Stormy, uh, I don't want to shortchange you because I know you're also uh, doing a great job covering the NFL and betting the NFL. And one of the teams you and I talked about off air, the Detroit Lions. We have been proudly a Lions podcast since Hard Knocks. I drank all the Dan Campbell Kool-Aid. We have the unfortunate <laughs> stat now where no one has scored more points than them in the NFL. And yet they sit here at one and three. What are we supposed to do? Who are the Detroit Lions this year, Stormy? So, and I'm, again, I'm with you. We are simpatico here when it comes to the Lions. I have been riding the Dan Campbell train. I love the emotion. I love every, the, the offense has been so fun to watch. You mentioned the highest, they have scored 140 points, Mike. They have also given up 139. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. And you know a defense is bad when Geno Smith is lighting your ass up. And it's just <laughs> like we're seeing West Virginia Geno out there. Um, it is a conundrum because I want to root for this team a lot. And I did, I'm, I liked their season win total over. Um, I liked a lot of where this this team was going. Um, but the defense is a real problem and I don't know how you're going to be able to fix it, unfortunately at this point in the season. And I don't know how early it's going to be where they have to fire their defensive coordinator. And that's not going to be a fun situation, but if you're allowing the Seattle Seahawks to score 48 points on you when they're probably one of the worst teams in the national football league this year, ooh, 
it's a little it's a little problematic. Although for my fantasy team, I am very glad their defense was bad because your girl is a San Diego State Aztec. I love Rashad Penny. I drafted him in my league, and he just seems to go off. He had like 170 yards and however many touchdowns last year. He had 150 yards this week. Rashad Penny against the Lions, I do appreciate. God, Lion, Lions overs and Rashad Penny as the opponent here. Yes. Things that you can Seriously. rely on. Mike, I'm, thank you for teeing me up for the overs because 1,000%. <laughs> they scored 45 points this week, and the total next week against the Patriots is 46 and a half. And I fired on the 46 immediately, and I was like, maybe this is going to come burn me, but I am all over Lions overs in the future. They cannot stop a cold, and I just am all about Jared Goff. Like, let's go, Jared Goff. You don't even have your weapons, and you're <laughs> out here doing what you're doing. He's been – I am so happy for him that he's able to find a little bit of success after just getting kicked out of L.A., Um but yeah, Rams overs. I mean, so Ram- oh God, Rams, <laughs> Lions overs. <laughs> uh, you know what? Listen, a lot of people go and find salvation in Detroit. It's a totally normal life path that Jared Goff is on, and we all need to respect and appreciate that. More people need to move from Southern California to Detroit, just not me. And not at this point I, in time. I remember um, when the Rams were on Hard Knocks, he had that golf course um, thing in his backyard, the golf course. And that was the first thing I thought when he got traded to Detroit. I was, dang, he doesn't have the golf course anymore. He does have a wonderfully punnable last name. And I feel like that's not he a does. thing that we give Jared Goff enough credit for. So I hope someone else is enjoying the golf course right now. Or he's probably rich enough to have houses in two places and just gets to go visit the golf course pretty often in the off season, And that's the only other time that I will throw in a, uh, a golf pun like that. I'm so sorry. That was sorry. smooth. I'm that sorry. was so smooth. You don't, have, you don't have to lie to me. I don't feel good You should have seen I tweeted. Me. Mike, I tweeted yesterday. Um, or, excuse me, on Sunday. Because I know we're timely with, with this uh, podcast here. That I have to make sure that I am for the people on Sunday. Uh, when Kenny Pickett went in the game, I said... The crowd was cheering Pickett, but the opposing team heard Pickett. And I was so proud of myself, and it was oh. the worst dad joke in the land. Uh, Those yeah, three well, interceptions, by the way, only one of them was his fault. The other two yes. were not. Very very Just apt to point out. But also, it does give us the fun stat line that everyone's got to run with, that technically he didn't have a ball hit the ground during that game. And that's an important foundational element to set there. 10 of 13 with three picks means that you were at least clean on the day, even if it felt a little dirty. People were getting that football. People were getting that football for you, Kenny. One way or another, you had people on the receiving end of that. Uh, Stormy, on the way out of here, you mentioned Lions over, certainly a thing you're chasing. Obviously excited about that. Best bet for you going forward here from what you've seen in the NFL season so far. Who is the team that you are most interested in going forward? We had, you know, um, obviously the Bucks, the Packers all go out there and survive. The Dallas Cowboys have managed to keep rattling off wins without Dak Prescott in the backfield somehow. The Cowboys were my favorite bet of this past weekend. That three looked really fishy, and I thought that I might end up getting dogged by it. Um, but I was just like, no, the commander's offensive line is trash, and the Cowboys' defense is really, really legit. So that should be competitive advantage Dallas. I don't understand where this three is coming from. And then Cooper Rush has done a really good job. I hope that, I hope that when Dak does come back for Dallas, that they maintain the same, like, game plan moving forward where you have the balanced attack and you're utilizing Zeke and Tony Pollard and you're not forcing the quarterback to do things that just because he's a great quarterback and can do them that you're making him do. So 
Um, I like, I, I was not high on the Cowboys coming into the year. And when Dak got hurt with the thumb, I was like one of those people that said they're done. And I'm very happy to be proven wrong. My favorite team though right now is the Philadelphia Eagles, which mm-hmm. is not, you know, anything unique to say, considering they're the lone undefeated team in the NFL at this point. But especially after what we saw against the Jags, which I think that we can all attest to this not being your dad's Jaguars. This is a very different group and they're, they are fun to watch and they are going to win games. And it is really cool to see that when the Eagles were down 14, nothing, they were able to come back with ease and put up another dominant second quarter, not only win the game, but cover the six and a half, seven numbers that were out there. And they can play from behind. They can play from ahead. They can play in weather conditions. Clearly they do wet ball drills, unlike the Jaguars at practice. And so then there, and and for all of the credit that we give to what Jalen Hurts has been able to do and answering all of the question marks about him and would he be able to actually utilize these weapons and take the Eagles to the next level that he's doing, he's running the ball, he's throwing the ball, he's doing a great thing. But the defense has also been a staple. And that front seven was just freaking fun to watch on Sunday. And I, I love the Eagles and I um and I hate the Colts. So Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Both very understandable choices at the current juncture of this NFL season. There's no doubt about it. But uh what we love and what you guys should all love, check out VSIN Final Countdown. Look for Stormy on a sideline near you coming up this college football weekend all over the country now, not just Pac-12 after dark territory this year. Stormy, appreciate the time, friend. We'll talk to you soon here about more ranch fountains and things as we get closer to the wedding. Yes. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me. And I'll have to send you more pictures of the ranch fountain. It's chef's kiss. Oh, can't wait. Sound the trumpets. It's horse racing time. So saddle up for the action with DK Horse, an official DraftKings affiliate. Right now, new customers who download the DK Horse app can get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250. Just deposit $25 or more and complete the playthrough requirement. Wager on your favorite horses, then watch the races live right in the app. Download the DK Horse app now. New customers get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250 when they opt in with code GOLIT. Only on the DK Horse app. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER, 18+, plus in certain states, to open or access an account and resident of a state where DK Horse is available. Eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. One per new customer. Match calculated on first deposit up to a maximum of $250. Deposit requires two-time playthrough of settled wager within 168 hours. Bonus released in $25 increments. Deposit and eligibility restrictions apply. See terms at dkhorse.com. All right, Brandon, only one thing left to do. Do you know what time it is? I do, Mike. This, that, and the third. Writing on the wall. This, that, and the third. Let us start to fall. When you believe in things that you don't understand, then you suffer. Superstition ain't the way. Man, bold, bold, back-to-back days going Michael Jackson into Stevie Wonder. You're a man with no fear in his heart, even though it is officially 
Spooktober when it comes to this, that, and the third. Three quick stories to finish off your day on this podcast. Brandon Newman, sing-songing your way in. How have you felt? We got good feedback from the listening audience here. And thank you to everyone who downloaded, subscribed, rated, and reviewed. Left us a five-star rating with a review. Or tweeted us at Gojo Show. Spooky songs that Brandon can cover for this, that, and the third in the month of October. You said it comes down to 20 days. You're now two in there. How are you feeling two days into this venture? There's some slam dunk ones, and I appreciate everyone who tweeted at us and, and, and sent some my way. So I decided to, like, you know, I started with Thriller. You know, I feel like that may have been one of the slam dunk ones. So I want to spread out the slam dunkies and very superstitious uh, Stevie Wonder, eerie song, an eerie concept. Um, but not obviously very scary, but sprinkled in. Yeah. We we got we got we got one in. It works. General it works. general theme plays. It is absolutely safe and good. So make sure you download, <laughs> subscribe, rate, review, and tell Brandon how much you loved that. Uh, Brandon, let's get to some things that we loved here. Uh, Major League Baseball last night. The Phillies became the twelfth and final team to clinch a, po- clinch a postseason berth. They won three nothing against the Astros. They uh, advanced to the playoffs for the first time since 2011. Uh, Huge drought ended for them. Not the biggest drought by any means. The Seattle Mariners uh, laid claim to that one. They clinched their first postseason spot later, uh, or excuse me, at the end of last week. Their first postseason berth since 2001. And Brandon, I think this is like one of the purest parts of sports that I really fall back on and love. I text Mina Kimes, friend of the show and known Seattle sports fan, I was watching so much of the footage that came out of covering this team, right? You have Cal Raleigh who crushed the home run, the walk-off fashion to send them to that moment there. Um, You've got their manager, Scott Service, who in the locker room after was giving this really impassioned speech to how much this means to the fans, the people around that building, people who have lived this for a long time. Julio Rodriguez pops the champagne too early and goes back Mm. on the rookie part of this. Like You even had... I always am a sucker for play-by-play moments, too. Dave Sims has been the play-by-play voice on TV for the Mariners for something like 15 years. And just hearing that, hey now, hey now, hey now, when you get an iconic call for an iconic moment and you see someone ready for that stuff, it just all feels so good. And I think baseball, for all the time we spent trying to fix it or criticize it, the one thing it does because it's so many games and because it's so long and because it's such an intricate sport is it gives you like a podcast level of intimacy with some of these fan bases mm. and especially ones that have suffered long like that. You know, the Seattle Storm have been balling outrageous, but other than that, Seattle hasn't had much to, I think, feel good about recently. And so seeing this moment just felt really cool. It was a good reminder of what baseball does well. That's a that's a really good way of putting it, Mike. And also, obviously, you know, no one knew that Geno Smith was actually going to do well, so they they were kind of uh, preparing for the worst there for the uh, Seattle football fans. And obviously, uh, the NBA preseason is going on right now. The Portland Trailblazers had a a game against the LA Lake, uh, LA Clippers in Seattle, and Mclemore of Seattle fame told Adam Silver that. They're ready for an NBA team again. So Macklemore has spoken. Adam, uh, make it happen. Uh, chop sweet or t- uh, toot sweet, please. I will say, being I've been in the Pacific Northwest two of the last three weekends between being in Seattle for the UW game and then going to Eugene this mm-hmm. past weekend. There is not a more consistently on brand of part of the country than the Pacific Northwest. Everything everyone's ever said about it is a hundred percent true. People are lovely. It is 
very very white up there um you have a lot yes. of people that still dress like grunge is the predominant style it's pretty overcast yes. all the time it's really remarkable yes. and fitting into that is macklemore who i'm has like he, does he make music still genuine question um i don't know i don't know he thought he was gay at one point because he could draw but i'm really not sure about if he can make music <laughs> anymore i don't know it's it's just amazing. Like, does his voice have sway? Like, does him telling Adam Silver that? Do we think that might be, like, I don't know? Maybe in Seattle. That, like, <laughs> like I I still would imagine uh, Sir Mixlot has more clout in Seattle than Macklemore. But you know, I don't know. I'm I'm not in these Se- streets. Seattle listeners. Does Macklemore have any pull in the Pacific Northwest? Did he ever? Things that I want to know. Things that I don't right now. Hopefully, we'll find the answer to that. Um, Brandon, uh, not such good times. Going on for the Phoenix Suns, we talked about their awkward start into the NBA preseason with some of those DeAndre Ayton quotes. They lost to an Australian basketball team. Um, Australian national basketball team, the Adelaide 36ers, beat them 134 to 124. And you're probably saying, Mike, it's the preseason. Who gives a shit? Well, their starters played 22 minutes apiece, including Cameron Page, uh, McCall Bridges, DeAndre Ayton, uh, Cameron Payne, excuse me, Mikel Bridges, DeAndre Ayton, Devin Booker, and Chris Paul. Like, the dudes were there, and they lost to a team yeah. from Australia. I mean, I understand that Phoenix Suns fans don't have this, like, national fan base perception, so I don't know how many of them to address, but there's got to be a significant amount of panic in the room for anyone that enjoys that team. It's all the things that we were thinking about quietly coming to fruition. We talked about it kind of uh, trickulating the, the, the mess that's going on, the drama that's going on around that building and how it's going to show up on the floor. Well, exhibit I a. wonder if this will end up being like when Jamar Chase in the preseason said he had trouble catching the NFL footballs because they didn't have the white ring around them Ooh. and then he got to the regular season and was great. There's still a very real chance that that could happen, but – True. The last time this happened, uh, 2016, Oklahoma City lost to Luka Doncic's Real Madrid team, uh, 142-37. to 37. Wow. So, not unprecedented, but doesn't happen all the time, and a tough thing to have to wear going into the season. I heard that the uh, the first bucket for the Suns was Devin Booker, and maybe that's the issue. They need to find a new bell cow. <laughs> That is reading the tea leaves in a way that only Brandon Newman is going to do for you. That's the Gojo Show difference right there. Uh, Brandon, let's get to the third. Uh, Our alma mater coming off a bye weekend, which, man, God love the bye weekend. Getting to walk stress-free into a stadium Mm -hmm. and not have to worry about trying not to cuss in a press box was a huge relief. Uh, They're heading to Las Vegas. They're playing the game against BYU that I was a part of the uniform release for. And Marcus Freeman was asked about the troubles that Sin City poses, worrying about guys going out and doing stuff like that. And for anyone thinking, no, I mean, players wouldn't do that. It happens all the time. Any given Thursday night in a college town near you, some of your favorite stars of tomorrow are likely getting drunker than hell. Um, So Marcus Freeman was asked about dodging some of those things in Sin City. He said bed check is 8.30 Pacific time for Notre Dame football on Friday night, and bed check will be performed by head coach Marcus Freeman. Now, Brandon, bed check is a wonderful road ride of passage. It's usually done by someone on the player op staff or some GA who just goes around knocking on the door. We all travel and have roommates when we're on the road. You're rooming with somebody else here in the hotel, and they just come by and make sure everyone's there. 
you know, you get to things like bowl week, it gets a little different early in the week. You've got built-in going out days. Late in the week, you've got guys yep. that just become really good at dodging whoever's going around for bed check and getting out anyway. But, um, Brandon, for you, bed check was always a very special time during bowl season, wasn't it? Oh, my gosh, Mike. It was your opportunity to give give that op staff a little something to see. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, we can be in the room, but what are we doing in the room? Is is it nefarious? Is it is it need to be reported? Do we need to call our mothers? It's it's always a it's a big uh, open scope, Mike. And obviously, I was a GA at Ball State, so I've I felt and dealt the oh, pain. Oh, you've been on but, both uh, sides of, of this. That, I forgot about that. Both sides of the fence. Both sides of the fence, Mike. And at Ball State, it was. Uh, Bed check was giving the snack, so everyone made sure that they were there for bed check because otherwise you wouldn't get in your Wait, snack. So you could so only big, get the snack. Nice you were the plug. Because again, snacks yes. the other important part of nighttime on the road for a college football team. When Coach Weiss was at Notre Dame, Ouch. I will contend we had the best snack set up in the nation. Milkshakes, candy, like uh, chicken wings, yeah. all sorts of shit. It was incredible. You didn't feel great the next morning, but you felt great the night before. So were you plugged up like that at Ball State, or what were you dealing? So the big difference was at Notre Dame for snack, there was a conference room. You'll go down, get your to-go box, fill your goodies up with your assortments, whatever it is you want to go, fill your mouth up. Usually go down there and hang out for a little bit too before you go back up upstairs. And then bed checks after that. At Ball State, meetings x y and z everybody go to your room and then i come back around with my cart with my clipboard bed check and the food and i'm and i'm handing every everyone gets uh, a meal and and gets checked off the list but back to my bed checks mike that were infamous at notre dame and i feel like we started a little a through line because lewis nix and uh, kendall moore uh, took the baton and, and did some really really nice crazy stuff but uh, for example, one of the things that we did during bedtime, uh, our bed check, shout out to Tyler Stockton. He is a defensive coordinator for the Ball State. Uh, Ball State Cardinals got a win last week against the uh, NIU. The the stalk came, the bronze stalk came back to Muncie. Um, but <laughs> I forgot about the fucking Whoever bronze came stalk. To... What a trophy! <laughs> I know the bronze stalk. It's back in Muncie, baby, for a long time. Jordan Lynch had that thing at NIU for a long time. Anyways, uh, so one of the things uh, that uh, Stockton and I did is <laughs> whenever Betche came, it was at the Sun Bowl, right? Uh, that we had, we didn't get cowboy boots. You remember? Yeah, we, we, we got the Casey boots at boots the Sun Bowl in El Paso, Texas. Yes, I was in tidy whitey underwear that I bought at a Walmart around the corner there, and a cowboy hat and my cowboy boots only standing on uh, Tyler Stockton's back and I had tied him up like a hog in, in telephone wire. <laughs> he had a little gag in his mouth. And he's, he's butt-ass naked on the floor, hog-tied. And I'm sitting there with my tidy whities and my ostrich alligator boots. Hey, hey no. Hey, guys. We're we're just in here. <laughs> Bet check. Uh, check. We're good. You can move on. Nothing to see here. Like, again, the sum total of the interaction is supposed to be these tired people oh, who man. work on an op staff for a college football team who have to hate their life most of the time dealing with our jackass 18 to 22 year old selves just want to oh, see you in bed man. waving at them and usually they'll barely even open the door and instead they treat they're treated to some sort of fucking horror show from you guys 
I, I, I think Lewis Nixon and Ken Omar, there was naked pillow fights. Uh, it, it's just like, it's just a bunch of, just, you know, just boys being boys. It's it's a guys being dudes factory <laughs> at bed check if you've got the right mix of personalities there. So I'd have to imagine it's going to be a little different tone and tenor with the headband coming by. As cool and down to earth yes. as Marcus Freeman is, he's still the head coach. So there's going to be so many guys that... Usually, like, the night before, we would all do our O-line test together as, like, a group. We'd be going through it together and stuff like that. So, sometimes we'd be in the same room or something. I'd imagine if you weren't already looking at some notes or something for the night before game, we always used to get to rent a movie, too, which I promise you there's no more uncomfortable moment than watching and accidentally flipping to my sister's keeper with your 300-pound roommate and both keeping (laughs) eyes straight ahead because you are sobbing in the same room and trying not to have that conversation. But if you're not already studying your playbook, when Freeman comes by, you got to have that thing close by and make sure when he pops into that room, you're in there nose to the grindstone there. You never get a second chance to make a first impression at bed check on the road in Las Vegas. That's why offense alignment and defense alignment are different. I just thought about like, we used to compete on who was going to get the test, right? Y'all was doing the test together. That's like so smart. We should have been on that. But also, uh, Justin Utupo, uh, really quick story, uh, bedtime, one time, South Bend. Yeah, we were, it was bed check, but it was a home game. We were trying to watch a movie, and <laughs> he was like, and we didn't have time to watch the movie. Everyone's in one room trying to watch a movie before bed check, you have to go to your separate rooms. So everyone's trying to watch a movie and, and speed it up. And Utupo's like, oh, just play it, and we'll just watch it on Double Arrow. And we were like... What are you talking about? He's like, yeah, you just watch the movie on. Y'all don't watch movies on Double Arrow. <laughs> We're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> we found out he's sitting there watching movies on Fast Forward, Mike. Like, what kind of psycho? Wait, but he just called. Did he know it? What Fast Forward was? Did he just call it Double Arrow for fun, or he just thought that was like listening to a podcast on one and a half times speed? Like he. Th- I'm pretty sure he just he's like speaking in 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 hotel room movie like <laughs> two arrows, two arrows movie faster. Uh, like, all right, hear me out because I don't know. Like, the sound usually doesn't play when you do fast forward on movies that aren't on VHS tapes. I- Mike, I know. That's why I was so perplexed. I was like, you can't even have captions on double arrow. That that being said, hear me out. A lot of people do listen to podcasts on one and a half, two times speed. What if they made it so you could watch movies on double arrow and get through them quicker? (laughs) Hey, Redbox double arrow? Like... You know what? Hey. Wait, wait, listen. Let's not give away too much free game right now. If you're listening, CIA, government, any sort of big media entities, right. call us. Double Arrow. We could be your guys on that. If you have listened to this podcast on single arrow, double arrow, maybe even had to go reverse arrow a couple of times, we appreciate you. Make sure you download, subscribe, rate, and review Gojo wherever you get your podcast. Leave us a five-star rating and review. And check us out on whatever arrow you watch on YouTube, the DraftKings YouTube channel with the Gojo and Mike Coach your playlist. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you tomorrow. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. 
To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.